So good morning. It's still 11:56. Good morning. Good to see you guys. This is the, you're the late crew, right? Just take the mornings easy on Sunday. I like that. Uh, so welcome. I've been here a few times. I get to come here a few times a year. It seems like whenever Caleb's sick. Uh, so for those of you that have been here, you're like, oh, I remember Kyle. He's here when Caleb's sick. And if it's your first time, welcome. You'll get to see Caleb next week, and it'll be beautiful. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, we gather as lead pastors every Wednesday. And so we get together, and, and we just we encourage each other. We challenge each other. We're hearing about what God's doing everywhere. Uh, and I saw Caleb Wednesday, and he looked fine. So I'm like, what's, what's the problem? Uh, and then I saw Graham this morning, and he said, he looked fine on the court yesterday, too. So I don't understand what the problem was. So either way, I'm here with you. Uh, but I love what Neil said, and it is true. Um, I love your church. I love what God's doing. And you need to know every week when we talk, Caleb loves you guys, and he is excited about seeing what God is doing here in community. I believe that your lives are being changed. I believe uh, that you are inviting people, and as God is changing you and your relationships, there's something happening in this community. Uh, and so it truly is. It's an honor for me to be here with you guys. You didn't choose me. I chose you, so glad to be here with you. Uh, but last week, um, as we're moving in the Tune In series, right? This is the last week, just a couple weeks on tuning in, and, and what does that mean, and what does that look like? But Graham sort of led us into the new year, right? And you might remember, I, I heard him ask, uh, but I didn't see. How many of you actually have a New Year's resolution or goal or prayer or aim or direction for your life? Like five. Like this is a problem. Like this, really? Okay, well, I'm glad I'm here then. Uh, one of the things, there's about 150 million Americans, so almost half the population actually writes something down, studies would say, which is great. But more than that, totally view the New Year as an opportunity to recalibrate and re-aim our lives. And I noticed this week as I was looking at that, there's all kinds of studies and opportunities. People want to, the world is willing to help you with your resolutions and your goals, I learned. There's, there's nine apps that will help you reach and keep your goals on your phone. There's an app to help you learn more, save more, relax more, read more, break a bad habit, whatever you want. Like there's an, there's an app for that, shocker. Um, this is 16 ways to improve your life in 2016, because we all need 16 more things to do, right? Um, but it's, you know, recall one dream you had as a kid and take one step towards it. Give a meaningful gift to somebody. Uh, send notes to three people that you admire and tell them why. I mean, these are good things, you know, serve. And then buried somewhere on the back here, try praying. How good is that, right? Just give it a shot. See what happens. You know what I mean? You got, you got nothing else to lose. I mean, remember those resolutions from last year? But it's interesting. In the midst of this, it says, if you complete just five, you will notice a significant improvement in your existence. But if you get more than half of them, you could totally remake your life this year. That sounds promising, right? I mean, that's why we set goals and everything. Anyway, that's probably why some of you are even here today. It's like, man, I just got to give this a shot. We'll see what happens. But as I'm thinking about that, I mean, nine apps and 16 steps and all these things, that sounds exhausting to me. I mean, I was the kid going through school and all this stuff. Like, give me the cliff notes. Like, I don't want to read the big, thick books. Just give me, give, tell me what I need to know. And, and so as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, what if there was one thing? What if there was one thing that you could do this year that would totally transform your life? Would you be interested? Yeah. Two people are interested. <laughs> the rest of you like lists and apps and all that stuff. No, I, mean, I think we all would be interested. I actually think that's why you are here. I think you're here because you know that there's something more than what you're living for right now. 
You know there's some brokenness in your life, and you know there's something that you've been trying to manage, and there's something, there's a dream, there's a hope, there's joy, there's something that we haven't been able to wrap our arms around. And it all really just revolves around one thing. Bless you. That was a well-timed sneeze right there. It's about hearing God's voice. It's the whole idea of tuning, tuning in. It's about hearing what God has to say. Now, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, oh, totally. That's beautiful. I think you're crazy. You know what I mean? Like, really? Like, what does God sound like? Does he still speak? Does he talk? Is it audible? Is it going to be a text? You know, is it going to show up on the internet or in my inbox? What's going to happen? Some of you think, I, oh, I believe God speaks, but to people a long, long time ago. And that's why we have those old books and Bibles and all that stuff, right? Some of you, I talk about God speaking, and you're probably terrified. You're probably thinking, oh, no. Like, is he going to talk to me about what I think he's going to talk to me about? Because that could go really bad. So, and I, I understand all that. I have lived in all of those stages at various points in my life. And I still do. It's part of my journey. It's part of what we battle. I grew up, uh, as a kid, I grew up going to church and stuff. But, but God, for me, was the big, powerful Oz sort of guy, right? It's like he was big and, and powerful, and, and he spoke into creation and awesome. But I imagine him in the midst of that power and glory just overwhelming me as this really teeny tiny person. And I thought, man, even if God is that big, even if he does speak, there's no way he's going to speak to me. There's no way with billions of people and billions of people talking to him and requesting things all the time, like there's no way he's going to listen and pay attention to me. And if he did... I was pretty sure all he wanted to talk to me about is where I screwed things up, right? He's going to step in just to sort of exact the punishment, the consequence that needs to take place, and then it's like, all right, off you go again, you know? And so he'd be like this judge that I just came before every now and then, and he'd pronounce judgments, and then I'd move on. And over time, what I realized is that's not who God is at all. God sounds really different than that. And as I've connected with him more, um, what I've realized is, is he's actually more loving and kind and gracious than I could have ever imagined. And I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, of course, you're a pastor. Like, doesn't God have to be nice to you? Like, it's not the way it works. And don't you have to listen to God? And shouldn't you guys be connected and talking and stuff? Yeah, that's true. But what if? <laughs> well, let's be real honest. If I showed up today and was like, I don't know what God sounds like, you guys. I have no idea what I, you'd be like, what? But what if? What if God doesn't just talk to pastor guys? What if God doesn't just talk to the special people? What if God doesn't speak to just the obedient or whatever? What if God really speaks to all of his kids? And what if he's more kind and loving and gracious and generous and gentle than you could have ever imagined? What if God has something to say to you? And what if it's his voice and his power that actually will bring the kind of healing into your life that you've been longing for for a long time? What if the relationship or the addiction or the brokenness or the health issue that seems overwhelming and crushing to you today, what if God, the powerful creator God, wants to speak with you and walk with you through that? What if that's true? What if that's the one thing that will actually change your life? I mean, if that's true, wouldn't the creator actually know how to fix what's broken? as opposed to everything else. So now, do you want to hear about the one thing? Yeah. You will when I'm done. Open your Bibles. Uh, grab your outlines. We are going to start at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, 
verse 1. I promise we will not go through the whole thing today. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, but we're going to start at the beginning because it is a very good place to start. See, some of us appreciate Sound of Music, right, in the midst of all this stuff. Um, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God, what? Then God said. Ten times in the next two chapters, as God is bringing everything into existence, then God said. God spoke everything into being. That's how he created. It exhibited his power and his beauty and his wonder and his order. And he's speaking all these things into existence. And then what happens? His most prized possession, the, the pinnacle of creation for him was what? You, right? Man and woman. And he says, ah, oh, this is beautiful. This isn't just good. This is very good. Like, this is the best. God speaks all of this into existence, and he declares it good, and he blesses it. And you can imagine all this creation and order is taking place, and it's awesome. And God just doesn't stop there. The whole Old Testament, right, God's speaking. And we see him, you probably are familiar with stories like Noah, God talking to Noah. Abraham, the father of Israel, the great nation, God talking to Abraham and leading him. Moses, who led all the people out of Egypt because God spoke to him. All the prophets, Elijah and Elisha, God's people, he's speaking to them and through them to all of his people in the Old Testament. Gets even better. New Testament, what happens? God shows up. I mean, it's Jesus, right? It's Christmas. It's what just happened two weeks ago, which feels like two years ago, right? I mean, Christmas? When was that? But it's like God shows up in the flesh. The invisible, powerful God of creation who spoke everything into being, he shows up as a baby, and then he grows up. And Jesus says, I am the visible image of an invisible God. Everything you want to know and see about him, I represent. And so he moves through life proclaiming and teaching and putting on display God. This message of hope and joy and forgiveness and freedom. And he exhibits it as he heals people and he restores and he's going, this is God. This is him speaking to his people directly. And Jesus, as he's getting ready to leave and complete his ministry, he gathers his followers. And he's describing to them then the relationship that God will have as he continues to speak to his kids. And he says this in John chapter 10, verse 27. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Isn't that interesting? My sheep listen to my voice above all else. And he's describing this relationship. And all throughout God's word, all throughout the Bible, we see him describing this relationship as sheep and a shepherd. And there's a couple things we know about sheep. The first one is they're not the brightest animals in the world. So I'm sure that's not an indictment on you guys. But it was something that they would have understood in that day because sheep are very, very good at two things. Do you know what they are? Eating and following. That's what sheep do. That's what they do very well. And that's what everybody knows them to do really well. And they would have to follow in order to eat. Because the, the pastures in that day, this is a desert culture. And so every single day they'd have to move and the shepherd would be leading them to where they could eat. 
It's what would provide and sustain. He would protect because this was everything for them. It was their livelihood. It was their culture. So their whole life is contained in these sheep. And so sheep eating, following, dependent upon a shepherd who's going to care for them and watch over them and guide them, keep them healthy, protect them from anything that would hurt them. And we see, God even describes this, right? If sheep get lost, they would die. You would not survive. Sheep can't go find their own pastures. They can't provide for themselves. They can't protect themselves. So what does it say the shepherd would do? I'll go find that one that's lost. I'm going to pursue it. So he's describing how we hear and stay connected with God. So we see that God is speaking. We see that he's leading. And so the obvious question is then, why can't we hear him? Why can't I hear his voice? What does he sound like? We'll go back to Genesis chapter 3. Verse 1 through 9. Look at this. Genesis 3, 1. The serpent, who is Satan, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden? One day he asked the woman. There's somebody else speaking too. God and Satan. From the very beginning. Look at what happens. Eve says, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, Satan says. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. You will be like God, knowing both good and evil. You see, from the very beginning... There's voices that we can tune into. One of them is God, our creator, our father, speaking truth and beauty and wonder and order. And the other one is Satan, who all he does is lie from the very beginning. You won't die. Is that true? Is that true? No, it's what brought death into the world. He lied. And that's all he can do is lie. Imagine being close to anyone that all they can do is lie. Is that how you would choose your friends? Like, I can't wait to be around somebody who's constantly, every single day, going to lie to me. It's like elementary elementary school kids know liar, liar, pants on fire. Like, you get away from people like that. Because they will erode you over time. You get absorbed. And that's all that Satan does. He lies. And the lies that he fed Eve. And they're the same ones he, he fuels in our life today. He just, he masks them. And he baits them specifically for you and your journey. But it all goes back to what? Well, God isn't good because God's withholding, right? And it's just a word change. This is subtleties. Well, did God say you couldn't eat from any of the trees? And I was like, well, no, I think it was just that one tree. Oh, well, what did he say about that? Because you won't die. It's just a a little fruit. And what's happened? The other big lie he fed. You can be like God. And that's the one we bite on, right? You mean I can be in control? You mean I can control my own story? You mean I can be powerful? I can, I can be good enough? I can earn my way back? I can take over? It's like, no, that's a total lie, but we buy it every single day. You can be like God. That's all Satan did here. Totally bites her into that. Just a little, and the dark side, right, seems so compelling to us. He makes it seem so intriguing, that fruit, that beautiful fruit. It's, uh, this past week, I was driving uh, with one of my sons, And he brings, you know, we're talking about Star Wars, which every great father should be talking about with their son right now. Let's just be real honest. 
So we're talking about Star Wars, and he's like, Dad, the dark side's way better than the light side. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, he goes, it just sounds cooler. He's like, I can't, he goes, I can't imagine like Luke come to the light side. Like it just sounds lame even, you know what I mean? It's like, it just come to the dark side. Like there's something compelling and beautiful. And it's like, it's true. And that's how Satan hooks us all the time. It looks so appealing, it looks so attractive. And he doesn't just throw us off a cliff. What does he do? He just kind of walks us into it slowly over time. Minimizes it, makes it small, just a little anger. Well, it's not anger, it's intensity. That's what I tell my kids. Dad, you're angry. Why are you talking? Guys, I'm not angry. I'm just intense. <laughs> you know? Control. We want control when our life feels like it's unraveling and stuff. I'm taking control. Or I'm going to be big. We've got to grow this thing. It's got to be huge. It's got to be awesome. I need more money. I need more employees. I need more. More degrees. More relationships. More. Fr- more. I just need more. I'm ambitious. I'm not controlling. Right? We just start to subtly shape things. Lust can take over our life. Because it's just, it's just a thought. It's just an image. It's not hurting anybody, is it? It's, just, it's all just in me. It can't possibly hurt anybody. It's a total lie. You see, Satan just starts twisting and confusing the subtleties of those things. And pretty soon, those lies, when we act on them, become what? accusations. And then it's you are that person. That's how he's out to destroy us from the inside out. Satan has one goal. Lie to accuse to destroy. That's it. Those are the two voices. Look what happens to Eve. The woman was convinced just like we are. She saw the tree was beautiful. Its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her. Okay, hold on right here one second. Men, I grew up thinking, Eve, lame, can't believe she totally bit on the apple. You know, totally screwed things up forever. I'm thinking, you know, Adam's out watching ESPN or in the garage or something. And clearly missed this in the Bible for a long time. Where was Adam? He was right there. He was with her. And so what happens? He ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, they heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? You see, Satan's lies combined with our sin and our brokenness is what creates the static and the interference that don't allow us to hear God. It's what causes us, when we step into those things, to hide. It creates distance. Our sin separates us from relationship with God and from relationship with each other. I mean, just think about it. When we go down these roads of anger or control or lust or addiction, what happens You you isolate. It creates distance in relationship. It hurts you. It hurts the people around you. It's always been the same story, and it all comes back to what? Whose voice are you listening to? Who are you tuned into? What's the one thing you can do to change your life? Hear God's voice above the lies that Satan is going to throw your way every single day. 
And it's interesting, right? We see God show up, and he's walking through the garden, and he's present, and the first thing he says is, where are you? And I don't think it's like, Adam, where are you? I don't think that's it. That's the way I used to read it. I think it's, where are you? Where are you? And it's interesting, who's that question even for? Is it for God? Do you think God knows where Adam and Eve are? Yes. He knows, right? It's for them. It's like I used to play when my kids were younger, we'd play hide and go seek, right? And so we'd do it in the house and stuff because they're young. And they would find the worst hiding places. Like they'd, they'd crawl in our bed thinking they could hide from us and just pull the covers over. And there's this giant mound. And we're, you know, so I'd walk through the room and go, oh, man, I, I wonder where the kids are. Where are you? Now, who's that for? It's for them. And I got to believe this is like God walking through the garden going, oh, boy. Okay, where are you guys? You know what I mean? Like, and meanwhile, Adam's like this. He's just like, this little guy. <laughs> right? And he's just like, oh, man, shh. Eve, shh. Don't give away. Right? Where are you? God knows. And here's the thing. So we lean into this new year. As you're here today, I think that's the question God's asking. I think that's the first question he always asks us. Where are you? Because it's an invitation to come out of hiding and to be healed, to be restored, to be forgiven, to have your relationship repaired with him to begin the journey of repairing relationships with those around you. Where are you? Where are you? So I was thinking about that today. Right now, for me, I'm in a season right now of just, it seems like there's transition everywhere in my life. With my kids, they're all hitting just different ages. So my youngest daughter, I have four kids, my youngest daughter just turned 10. And so it's like 9 to 10, all of a sudden, like, it felt like 9 to 18, like kind of a thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, where, what happened? You know, I have two boys, and one's in sixth grade, and one's in seventh grade. And we know what happens, right, in those ages. That's fun. And so part of that deal, what I'm learning is uh, they're finding what it means to be a young man, to find their own identity. And so in that, they're kind of pushing and shoving at some things, and it's like we're finding a whole new way to relate. My oldest daughter, Summer, she, uh, she's been with us about 18 months as our foster daughter, and about a month ago, she officially became our daughter. So adopted, government said, okay, she's yours, which was powerful. I could talk for days about it. But here's the thing. I became the dad of a 14-year-old girl like that. That's easy, right? Like, what in the world am I doing? And she's awesome, and my kids are awesome. But at the same time, that's where my intensity starts to show up. That's where all of a sudden I want to control and I want to manage. And if we could just put everything in a box, because my wife and I decided at the same time, this is great, but here's what we should do. Let's tear up a bunch of things in our house and remodel some stuff, too. So the home journey, the kids, and the ages, and all, it's just crazy town at the Zimmerman house. And so in the midst of that, what I want to do is control, because it's going to make things easier. And this is what we need to do, and everybody needs to be here. And it's like, I'm just killing my family. And I show up, and, and my intensity, it's, it's anger. Because I have these crazy expectations for them. For my wife, it shows it creates distance in our relationship. So that's where I am. Where are you? 
Where are you? And are you willing to come out of hiding and find the kind of healing that your creator wants to do in your life? See, the first step, it's just acknowledging that you're hiding and what you're hiding from. All the rest of the work is his. We're going to see this. So does God speak? Absolutely. He's speaking. He's leading. And all this static and interference is created by another voice. It's Satan's. So why can't we hear him? Satan's lies, our choices, and the sin in our life creates this, this disconnect, this interference, which is why it's so important to tune in, right? I mean, that's why this one thing is critical in our life. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 14. He'd been walking, right, three and a half years with followers. He's getting ready to leave, and he says this about staying connected and hearing God's voice. He says, I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. So is God speaking today? Absolutely. Through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And some of you may think, well, I don't get this whole advocate. Why do we need an advocate? To close the distance to rebuild the relationship that God originally designed for every single one of us with him. You see, all of a sudden, when, when Satan's lies turn into accusations because of our sin and our brokenness, we need something to repair that. And that's the whole gift of Jesus. I mean, that's the whole point of him coming, right, Christmas. And he leads this whole journey, and then eventually he dies, right, this death on the cross, for every single one of us, because that covers and pays for the sin and the brokenness in our life. That's what repairs and restores the relationship. God's perfect. He's holy. He can't even be around sin. So somebody had to close that distance to make us clean again. That's Jesus. And he says, if you simply believe that that's what I did, that I paid for your sin, it will close the distance. That's the advocate that he gives us. But he doesn't leave it there. Jesus rises from the dead. Which is awesome, because what that does is prove that his voice is louder than Satan's. That death does not have the final say. That evil and lies will not overwhelm or overpower the truth that God wants to speak into your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So while these things are constantly at war, there's one that will win in your life when you trust Jesus, and that's the Holy Spirit. And that's this gift. And he says what? It, the Holy Spirit, the voice of truth that I'm speaking, when it sounds like peace and comfort, when it sounds like joy and identity, when it sounds, the Holy Spirit, I'll never leave, I'll never forsake, I will never abandon. In a world where people walk away from one another pretty easily, I will never leave you. That's startling. Or you can choose to listen to Satan all day long. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Who's going to constantly lie to you? intentionally leading you down paths to create distance in your relationship with God, all kinds of static where you can't even hear the truth and the beauty of what he wants to speak into you, and he'll ruin every relationship you have. Those are the two choices you have. The one thing that will change our life, listening to God through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's this great tool that we get in God's word in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Shortcut is, here's the deal. 
We demolish arguments. This is the way we fight the lies of Satan. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What do we do? We take captive every thought. Say it. We take captive That's what we do. That's the tool through the power of the Holy Spirit that he gives us. And here's the thing. Literally, this may be news to you, not every thought you have is a good thought. I don't know if you know that or not, but now you do. Not every thought you have is a good thought. Not every thought you have is a right thought from God, from your creator. Some thoughts are what? Those lies from Satan from the very beginning. That's okay. So what do you have to do in order to make sure you're holding on to the right ones, to the truth? You take them captive. One of the things that I've learned to do in my journey with this is literally tangibly try and grab them and I say them out loud. Because for whatever reason, when I speak it, it becomes so much easier to see if it's a lie or if it's truth. So when you start hearing things, well, just, that's just one glance. It's just one picture. It's not that big a deal. Let me say that to you. Hey, do you guys think it's okay if I just look at one picture? Do you think that one picture of porn, do you think that's going to hurt me? See how easy this is? It's such an easy game. Because here's what happens. If you don't go down, is it okay for me when I power up and when I yell at my kids? Do you think when I look at my kids and I yell at them and say, stop it, do you think that's going to hurt them? Do you think that's what God wants me to do? See how easy this is? When I go, well, that's okay. Oh, wait, it's not okay. Is it okay for me to walk in that? No, it's not. Is it okay for me to walk in it, to, to do whatever it is that Satan's got one just for you? It could be lust. It could be anger. It could be lying. It's just a little lie. It's not a big deal. It's just going to minimize some damage. Is there such a thing as a little lie? Is there? It's just a little lie. I'm just trying to protect myself or somebody else. That's okay, isn't it? See, when you say things, it becomes startling how easy this is to hear God above the noise of the world. Because here's the thing. If you don't catch them at lies and you walk into these things, they become accusations. And then it's a, a whole other thing that's even harder because then start saying, you're not valuable. You're not worthy. You're not enough. You are shameful. You are disgraceful. I can't, and then it's like, whoa. Still easy, though, to pull those things apart. If you said out loud, I'm unworthy, I'm a disgrace, I'm, are those things things that God would say to you? Are those things that God declared about his creation? Are they things that God declared about his most prized possession? No. You have to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ and stare it down until you can hear God's voice clearly above all the noise of this world. It's the way we have to walk in it. And so when we do this, how can I hear him? What is God going to say? There's only one way to know, and it is the Bible. You want to know what God has to say to you, about you, about him, about life? He'll tell you. He will speak to you directly. This is like letters from God to you. And I, and I get it. I used to view, like I said, this Bible as, as way more of a, like a rule book, like a code of conduct. 
You know what I mean? Like you sign up for a team or something, and like, here's the rules, here's the behavior. It's like, okay, and so I'm going to learn that if you step out. Well, no wonder my view of God was that when he showed up to talk to me, what was he going to do? Enforce the rules, right? Some of you see it maybe as an answer book. You know what I mean? Like, well, I need an answer, like a, like a cheat sheet for the test. Like, I got a test coming, and I just want to know the answers. You know what I mean? Like, it's a shortcut that. I've come to see it really more like an owner's manual. I mean, if God's the creator of everything, and that's where we began, he's the one who knows how it all fits together. He's the one who knows what it's supposed to look like, who you are, your purpose, your desires, your passions, your relationships, all that kind of stuff, and how all of it gets played out in the world. Right? What's the Holy Spirit do? Teach and remind everything. He's like the, the shop guide, you know? This, I was putting together a, a car with one of my sons, and it wasn't like this easy Lego car thing or something. It was crazy town, this car. It was like you could build six different cars out of like 150 different pieces of metal and rubber and stuff, and so it was held together. It just snapped stuff. It was like a billion little screws, and it's just like, oh my gosh, this is going to take forever. And then not only that, you could build like six different things out of these things. So the the instructions are crazy thick, and he's like, you want to build this with me? And I'm like, yes. You know, I think that's the right answer, right? I'd love to, son. So we sit down, and like 10 minutes later, he's like, I'm going to go outside and play with my friends, Dad. I think you got this. You know what I mean? And I'm like, thanks, buddy. So, you know, I'm just working away on this, and it's it's exhausting because over time, of course, they don't give you all the right stuff. So I'm trying to find some new screws to replace these screws I've got. And I, I get to the wrong page, and I start down a road of building something that I wasn't originally building. So then I have to unbuild some things and rebuild some things. And so finally, when I get this whole thing together, you know, it's barely held together, and there's some screws loose and missing, but there you go. And so here's the deal. Some of you have a screw loose. <laughs> Some of you are missing some screws. Some of you have been building a life that you were never intended to build. Some of you need to unwind some things. You need to get back to the owner's manual to hear from the creator about who you are and the way you were originally designed to be to become everything that he designed you to be in the first place. 2 Timothy says it this way. But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know that they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the holy scriptures from childhood. They've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus, our advocate. All scripture is inspired by God, is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Look at the promises about God's word. It's beautiful. And I love that it's trust those who taught you. You see, the Bible is always best processed, understood in community. Always. I mean, even from the very beginning, right? But we have the gift of, we all get a Bible now. For years and centuries, they didn't have that. So they'd have to rally together and they'd come together and they'd go, what's God going to say to us? And they'd open it and they'd look and then they'd process it and somebody would speak on it and they'd wrestle over it. And that's how they heard God and move forward. That's why it's the power for us to be enrooted. It's the power of us living that value out, being enrooted with one another. But the brokenness of all that erodes. But when we're tuned into God, how do we hear him? And then what? How do we live this out with one another? 
Well, then we have to practice the one another's. It's the power of rooted in life groups. It's, next week, Caleb will be back. Hopefully, if he's not sick, and Caleb will be back, and he's launching this whole new series called Art of Relationships. And it's just going to talk about then what does it look like with this owner's manual of God speaking into us to become who he's designed us to be. I love this. Trust those who taught you. All scripture, everything is the inspired word of God. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, all of it's meaningful. All of it, God wants to speak and say something. God wants to be heard above the noise of the world. God wants to mend the brokenness. And the daily read we're doing as a church, I love it. Every day it gives context. It just asks a couple questions. It's like 15 minutes. It'll take you like 90 hours over the course of a year. Most people watch more TV than that every single month. True story. But you get to tune in and hear from God, who's got the owner's manual. It's the one thing that'll restore your life, that'll heal, that'll remind you of who he is and who you are. I was reminded of that just this week. I, I had found, in the midst of preparing for this week, and I'd found a document that I had just started typing about, I don't know, a few years ago. We read through the Bible every year as a church, and I, for whatever reason, I started putting down my favorite verse or thought from the day. And it was just on my, so I just started writing down, what did God say? And it was overwhelming as I'm walking through this season of transition, as I'm, I'm looking honestly at the broken pieces of my life where Satan's trying to hook me with lies and accusations about anger and control. It's God speaking into me and reminding me that, Kyle, I see you. Kyle, I've designed you with a purpose. Kyle, I love you. I will never leave you. The promises that I've given you are real and true, that you're forgiven and that you walk in grace. When you get to see the beauty of God's story lived out over time through these characters in the Bible, it gives so much hope. Whatever issues I'm wrestling with becomes so small, so small. That's what God wants for you. So what are you going to do? The nine apps, the 16 things? Try and make it on your own? Do another year the same way? Or is this the year? I'm going to invest in the one thing that I know where I get to hear from God. Guaranteed. His word. Let me pray for us. Close your eyes if you would. Bow your heads. So where are you? Whose voice is the loudest in your life this morning? And is this the year that you're willing and ready to invest in the relationship with God through his word? To hear his voice above all the noise and the lies that Satan has wound into you and will continue to throw your way? Father, these are your kids created in your image, and you love them. Continue to speak to them. Remind them of your goodness and your power. Help them to respond honestly and courageously, to acknowledge the places that there are lies, that there are fears, that there is shame, that there is guilt, to walk into the freedom and the healing and the restoration you want to provide through your word. <laughs>